Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 10 of Revelation chapter 20. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 9. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Well, we've been uh, looking at the loosing of Satan as God uh, declares here in verse 7 following the thousand years which was a figurative uh, period of time representing the entire church age It was God's plan to loose Satan, and he was loosed. This is something that's in the past already. He was loosed back in 1988. May 21, 1988 was the end of the church age and the point of Satan's loosing. And as it says in verse 8, he went out to deceive the nations or the Gentiles in the four quarters of the earth, and and that's all over the world. In in the north, the south, the east, the west, there's not a nation that has not experienced this great deception of Satan during the course of the Great Tribulation, and the Great Tribulation has ended, and it ended on May 21, 2011, after 23 years. So, We're reading now, and and this is uh, incredible, really, when we think of it, because God has placed this information in the book of Revelation concerning the judgment on the church, the Great Tribulation, and throughout all history. It was always a future event, and it's only now uh, we uh, who are alive and living upon the earth in the day of judgment that we can look back and and see these things in the past and and so it's a very rare perspective that that we have been given um in reading the book of revelation it's one of the reasons why so many things are understandable to us because we see how they fit and we've actually lived through uh, some of these things. Well, uh, it then goes on to say in verse 8, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And we saw Gog and Magog is mentioned back in Ezekiel 38, and uh, Gog, Magog, Gomer, Togerma are names that are found there that uh, led us or directed us back to Genesis 10 and to 
the time after the flood, uh, and to the sons of Japheth as the earth, where the nations of the world were established in the isles or in the continents. And, uh, and so, uh, God, in using these names that directed us there, is letting us know it is the unsaved inhabitants of the earth in all the nations of the world. They are Gog and Magog, and more specifically, we find um, that the Lord helps us to understand further with the next statement, or the final statement of verse 8, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Gog and Magog is as the sand of the sea. And, of course, there's a lot of sand by the seashore. So that tells us that it's innumerable. It's a tremendous multitude. And we also know at the time of the end of the world, the population of the earth has just exploded. There's billions of people where in previous history, there would be plagues and wars and and the population of the world uh, would be kept down by all those things. But as we've entered into the last phases of God's program, uh, the Lord allowed the population to explode, to greatly multiply, and, and so billions of people now inhabit the earth and that served its purpose when God was broadcasting the message of Judgment Day to all the nations of the world because it was the Lord's plan to save a great multitude out of the nations. And and so tens of millions around the world were saved during that second part of the Great Tribulation known as the Latter Rain. But in order for there to be so many saved, it was necessary that there be a huge population because God has always worked with a remnant or he's always saved a remnant out of the hole. And and for him to save what he calls a great multitude means there had to be billions of people so that the principle of a remnant could be maintained and kept. And, and that's what God did. And he also has brought the rest into judgment. So Gog and Magog are uh, innumerable. They they uh, they have vast numbers. Or Satan, who is who is represented by Gog, uh, has a, a vast army. And God says that this army is as the sand of the sea. Now, when we look up the uh, language to this reference to the sand of the sea, uh, we find that the Lord made this kind of statement to Abraham back in Genesis 22 and in verse 17. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So we we know that the seed, singular, is Christ, but 
all those God intends to save are in Christ and counted as the seed. And, and so God is here indicating he's going to save a great many people who will be spiritual descendants of Abraham. But just as the stars can represent true believers, they can represent professed believers that never become saved. And it's the same with the sand of the sea. For instance, in Isaiah uh, chapter 10, in Isaiah 10, let's start reading in verse 20 and where it says and it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them but shall stay upon Jehovah the Holy One of Israel in truth the remnant shall return even the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. So here we we find the reference to the sand of the sea, and yet God says something interesting. Though Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant shall return. Now what does he mean? By that, that a remnant shall return. Well, it's uh, actually explained clearer in the New Testament in the book of Romans in chapter 9. In Romans 9, verse 27, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. And, and, and by the way, then that helps us to understand the, um, the, the word used, uh, or, or what it means to return in Isaiah 10.22. It means to be saved. Or you can have Israel's the sand of the sea, but only a remnant is saved out of Israel. That was true historically with national Israel. Remember, um, when, at the point where God says that he has reserved 7,000 of Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And, and yet Israel was a nation of hundreds of thousands, perhaps a couple of million, yet only 7,000 did not bow the knee. The remnant. There, there were relatively few saved in the Old Testament, but it was the same uh, situation in the New Testament with the churches and congregations. The New Testament church was typified by Israel. And when God speaks of Israel numbering as the sand of the sea, but only a remnant being saved, it applies to the church. And what do we find throughout the church age? Same thing as with Israel, as Israel had within it Men who were never true children of God, they and and therefore they would go astray and and worship in high places and idols and and do evil things. Likewise, it was the same in the church throughout the church age, where individuals within the congregations would go astray in doctrine, developing other gospels and. And many of them were never saved, but a remnant was. 
a remnant of elect was saved, and God speaks of them as the first fruits, and they would have been found in the congregations of the world, and uh, and, and so God did save a remnant out of the whole of Israel or the whole of the corporate church, and the church is also typified by the language of the sand of the sea. And just think, um, at the time God ended the church age in 1988, and uh, for the 23-year period, the, the census indicated that there were about 2 billion Christians in the world, professed Christians, the uh, vast or overwhelming uh, majority of them were in the churches and congregations, 2 billion out of around 7 billion total people. Uh, It was close to one-third of the world's population were professed Christians. That's an enormous number of people. And and you can see how the sand of the sea is a good uh, picture of so many people. Yet a remnant, yet a remnant of them were saved. And that's why when God commanded, when he opened up the scriptures at the time of the end, to reveal the end of the church age, and and to begin the process of separating the wheat from the tares, or the remnant from the multitude, as as God opened up the scriptures to command his people come out of her, how many came out? How many um, from the churches left the congregations? Few. Just a few. A remnant, we would say. And, And here and there, God's people came out and because that's all the elect that were in her to begin with and the rest well for the large part they were not given ears to hear it made no sense to them to flee judea and and to relate that to fleeing the church or to flee to a mountain what what mountain are you talking about they think naturally they think carnally they don't understand spiritual concepts like that for the most part. Uh, of course, we know that some unsaved did come out and, and God has further testing for them, um, in this time of judgment. But the process was underway and the wheat was separated from the tares and the congregations until finally on May 21, 2011, after 23 years, It was just the tares that remain in the church so God could wrap them up in one neat bundle for burning. And and the spiritual fire that he lit in his anger at the beginning of May 21, 2011, in the beginning of judgment on the world, devoured all the unsaved within the churches and congregations. And they were Magog. They they were the forces of Satan. And Satan himself was devoured on that day. Gog and Magog was devoured by this spiritual fire. Now, uh, let's go back to Revelation 20. 
And, and by the way, uh, at the end of verse 8, where it says the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, remember um, how God, uh, the Lord Jesus, gave us that parable concerning those that built their house upon the sand rather than upon the rock. And then the storm comes and and, and beats against the house and and the house built upon the sand collapses and is destroyed. And we um, can know that, yes, God has in view the corporate church, typified by the sand of the sea, and many people trusted the churches. Many people trusted their pastor, trusted their pope, trusted their bishop, when... Uh, when really they, they needed to trust Christ and the Word of God. Yet they trusted the church. They built their house upon the sand of the sea, a faulty foundation, and the day of judgment has revealed that foundation for all those that remain in the church. They did not trust the Lord Jesus nor the Word of God. Well, Okay, in verse 9 of Revelation 20, it says, And they went up on the breath of the earth. That's Gog and Magog, Satan and his forces. And 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 by the way, this breath of the earth, um, the only thing that I could find that comes close to it is in Habakkuk, in uh, chapter 1, Habakkuk 1, it says in verse 6, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. And here um, God is making reference to Babylon and the king of Babylon, who's not mentioned, but he's in view, and coming against Israel, coming against Judah of old, that typifies the church. And God raised them up. Just as God is the one that loosed Satan. And God's the one that allowed Satan to gather his forces as Gog and Magog to come against the camp of the saints. And here we read that they marched through the breadth of the land. And land sometimes is translated as earth. So they marched through the breadth of the earth. It's a picture. It's an image of a just a great army on the march and and they spread across the landscape they spread across the earth there's no way to escape them and and that's um what this language in revelation 29 and they went up on the breath of the earth and then it says encompass the camp of the saints about now the word compassed we find in another significant passage in Luke chapter 21. And Luke 21 is the parallel chapter to Matthew 24 that is looking at the great tribulation, the end of the world. And and God says uh, in Luke 21, verse 20, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. 
and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. And that spiritually is talking of the judgment on the churches. And it is being illustrated by Jerusalem compass with armies. The Babylonians are around about Jerusalem. And, and they did besiege Jerusalem for a time historically. But now it is Satan and the Gentiles. It is the unsaved of the world. That the emissaries of the devil as God has abandoned the corporate church that Jerusalem represents and, and that the camp of the saints represents. Notice it says in Revelation 29, compass the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. Now, what is the beloved city? But Jerusalem. Jerusalem compass with armies. We, we can see through the use of that word compassed how God directs us to another scripture that helps us to better understand the one we're looking at here in Revelation 20. And, and so again, it is the judgment on the church, the great tribulation. Once Satan has been loosed, that's who he goes after. That's who the assault is upon. The, where the saints are found and the elect were within the congregations and, and, and Satan is after the people of God and that's where you would find them for almost 2,000 years. And so he comes against the church and does battle with them just as the Babylonians, that the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation came up against Judah and Jerusalem and did battle with them and overcame them. Remember back in Revelation 13, at the time of the beast coming up out of the sea, and and that's uh, synonymous with Satan being loose from his prison. We, we read of the beast in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 13, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So it was given to him. Uh, just as God raised up the Chaldeans in Habakkuk 1 verse 6, just as Christ had the key of the bottomless pit and he locked Satan up, but it also required for Christ to unlock the pit to allow Satan to uh, be loosed. And, and it's all being done by God. God is the doer of these things. God, knowing that through loosing Satan, he would bring destruction to the church, and that would be the judgment of God. God knowing that by loosing Satan, the, the world would increase in evil tremendously in preparation for the final judgment of mankind. And that was all done by the allowance of God. And, and so God, uh, you know, we look at the world and we think, well, things are out of control. They, they've just spinned completely out of control. It's as though God has um, no more part in these things. And and yet, 
it is by the will of God to allow the events of the Great Tribulation and the events of Judgment Day, to allow the sinfulness of the church as part of its judgment, to allow the sinfulness of the world as part of its judgment. You know, it's an awful, terrible judgment upon the world when the world casts off the teachings of God concerning Sunday or concerning um, abortion or concerning the marriage relationship with marriage and divorce or gay marriage. It's a terrible judgment of God upon man because the the blessed condition to to be blessed would be to do it God's way. And the more man does it God's way, even without salvation, the more blessed he is in his family, in his society, in his nation, if he does it God's way. And and the opposite is true. If he fails to do it God's way, the more cursed he is, the more miserable ultimately he will be. Just look at the world that that uh, people uh, in, um, in in calling uh, evil good and and uh, in doing the opposite of what God commands. Look at the world that that people have wrought that that these things that are going on today. And and are people happier? Are are they um, enjoying their life more? No, people are more miserable now than ever. They're, they're, they're unhappy. Uh, you can see it all around. And yet, they're doing what they please. They're, they have no fear of God, apparently. But that doesn't bring contentment, or, or peace, or love, or anything good. It's actually a terrible thing. And it's part of Christ's judgment on the world as he rules with a rod of iron. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.